When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey guys, this is Emil Heskey and you're listening to the guys on Coppen Fracas. best word I can say but uh, we'll describe this was the boom. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Pop and Trackers. Back to life, back to reality. Thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Mush, and I am joined by my brother in pain, Peter. Peter, how are we doing? Yeah, it's the like their ongoing roller coaster that, that Liverpool is at the moment, man. One week I'm happy, one week um, I'm not even sad, I'm just over it. You know when they're just over the pain, like you just you just watch it like what else can go wrong at this point? So it's just you're, yeah, you're looking you know. at the players like, aren't you bored of this? That's, that's <laughs> Literally, like, are you not tired of this? Like, I'm tired of saying I'm disappointed in you. At this point, I'm just looking at you like, when are you gonna grow out of this? <laughs> cool. Well, before we do start, of course, regardless of what's going on with Liverpool season, we at Cop and Fracas, we've got so much going on. We've got the Bantic shows with Pete and Mike. We've got. Um, the post matches with everyone across the pod. We've got upcoming, if you've checked out for the season, we've got upcoming transfer games and talking about the future of the club as well. So make sure you're subscribing to the Cop and Frackers Patreon to make sure you're not missing out on the content for here and now and the future. But without any further ado, I want to get stuck into what's been plaguing my mind since it happened. And that is the 12 30 game against AFC Bournemouth. Pete, before I even talk talk about Bournemouth, the 12.30 curse. We are rubbish at 12.30. Why? Um, I don't know. I feel like we're, we're rubbish at 12.30 because maybe... It has to be our preparation, right? Because 
it makes no sense. We played five games at twelve thirty, um, and I would know because obviously due to like my job, I always I always have to work whilst it's on. So every time Liverpool's on, I'm working. I'm just like I'm literally gonna watch either Liverpool losing or Liverpool drawing. And we played five of them this season. And we've not won one of them, and the only really tough game we've had is probably Chelsea. And Chelsea aren't even below us. So and Everton, all the rest of the teams we had no business losing to or drawing with. So um, yeah, it's just it's just really strange. And I feel like we normally come come off the back maybe like a like a win, like a win at home. And then we play like a team at 12.30 and it's like they kind of get complacent or like maybe like, especially this week, I feel like they beat um, United 7-0 and they were like, okay, cool. This The kind of mentality I got was like, this result should take care of itself kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm, you know, that's, you just the, dangerous, of, like, that's like, the dangerous mentality to have, right? Like this result, like, okay, it's born of the league. I mean, we've got Nunes, we've got Salah, like, what do you mean? Like, this, this result will take care of itself, you know what I'm saying? Let's on, on we go to the top four type of challenge. And as you know, of the Premier League, it doesn't take care of itself. You have to take care of it. So, yeah, I just feel like it's a lot of complacency within the squad and the preparation as well is not right. And do you, do you think that, do you think that the, just the magnitude of how we beat Man United, do you think that that would filter into Bournemouth being afraid of us turning up? No, because I like we've had so many full storm full storms this season. So if you're literally if if obviously if you take that result first hand and you just see it on the paper, you're thinking, wow, they will put it back. But if you really watch us in detail, you watch us in depth, you'll know that we're kind of a fragile team. And week to week, this team have been showing such a mentality where um like any lot of kind of um problem or any kind of setback, they kind of drop their heads. So I feel like any team that plays us now will know that they have a chance. So I don't think even though that 7-0, it was a fantastic result. It should have been a result to take on our season. If you watch us week to week, you'll know that it's not a true indication of where we're at, to be honest. So so what you're saying is we're still crap. That, that That's what you're basically confirming, yeah? We're still unpredictable. We're still fragile. Um, we're hashtag not good. Yeah, not, not good. <laughs> what about cool. you? What, what, do, what do you think is the cause of us not playing well at 1230? Mm, I think a big thing of what we've been talking about with the fragility and and what we hated about, whether it's how we played against a lot of the Premier League, how we played against Real Madrid, is we're, we're such a confidence team and we've lost that coldness of thinking whatever the scoreline, whatever the match situation, we're going to do our thing well. And I think the problem is with 12.30, where, like you're saying, it's a bit of an awkward time in terms of your body being ready for the game. We start off cold. And rather than believing in what we do because we execute everything we do well, I think we're, we've become a team now where when a team does one action well, it puts them one step forward and puts us one step back or yeah. one step less in believing. And by the time they've done five good things, in a row, we are like so far on the back foot. We don't know how to recover because we we believe so little in what we're doing at the moment. And do you know what a big thing is? Hardly any of these games are at home, and we are shocking away from home. Oh home. my goodness! Shocking. So that away record, like, man. It feels like I think what what I can remember is that the Chelsea game was the only one at home. And obviously, naturally, that's kind of a big game. So we got a nil-nil draw. Cool, not end the world. Um, all the rest, I think, were away. So Everton, Northern Forest, Brighton. Fulham, yeah, Bournemouth. Like I'm talking about 12:30 kickoffs. Like, all oh, of them sorry, were actually sorry. away. Yeah, so all of them were actually away. So 
Um, yeah, and it feels like away from home, we just like we'll say in the group chat, we just we, we don't want to tussle. Like we do not want to tussle away from home. Like anytime the crowd gets behind the home team, anytime when did we start becoming afraid of crowds. I didn't know that. When did this start happening with this team? I didn't know that either. Like, do you know what it is? It's like we're so afraid of another team having their kind of like, um, like having what's the like their pressure. So like maybe yeah, like a twenty minutes moment, momentum them having momentum. Yeah. So I see this team, a team, like an opposing team away from home gets the kind of momentum or kind of gets a swing of like 20, 30 minutes. We get so fragile, or we concede in, those, in that moment, and then we just never get like our momentum back. Pete, there's and only twelve. Football. There's only twelve thousand people at Bournemouth. You know, this, this isn't. We're not going to a. This cauldron. is football. Like the, even the best teams, I promise you. Like even if I don't know Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, are going to face Bournemouth. Bournemouth are going to have a ten minute spell of decent football. Like they're they're a professional football team. Like you're going to have like you know what I'm saying. They're going to have a ten minute spell of decent like something decent happening. But with us, like. We just never ever want to kind of wrestle the game back, want to get into a scrap. Like it's just like, oh my god, this game's not going for us. We lose our heads. That's it. So just before and and take away your knowledge in hindsight now, yeah. But before the only bit I do want to talk about is in terms of selection, we had a very odd midfield when you look at the age profiles, right? Yeah. It was it was a dad. It was a dad with two children. Yeah, that, that that's what we had going on. What did you think of it before the game kicked off? Okay, so I think for the majority of the lineup, I was actually happy with. To be honest, like if I'm being honest, so the defense stayed the same. Kanati and Van Dijk, I feel like that should be a, a very good partnership. You know, they're both monsters. Trent was in good form. Robertson played well against Man United. Cool. And then Fabinho keeps his place. Elliot, I thought, played really well against Man United. Cool. Yep. But I think taking out Henderson and putting in Bajetic, I just Whilst I don't think you compare Bajetic and Elliot away from home, I think home is a different story because you have the crowd behind you. We're going to be on the sentence. We're going to have most of the ball. Elliot's going to be able to do his thing. Don't going to have to tussle as much. But away from home, in a game that's going to be probably scrappy, um, I just I don't think you can play those two together. Um, I think that, that in hand... And you felt like that before the game, yeah? I was worried. And the only reason why I was worried is because I knew Bournemouth from the field. So I know that they have Jefferson Lerma, who's obviously a bit of a... Uh, kind of a yeah. obviously a combative, yeah. yeah, and they have Billing as well. Billing and Billing, Billing's obviously he's massive, like, but he's actually got a bit as well. Like, Billing's yeah, actually yeah. got, a and he's player. mobile. The thing is, yeah. he, he breaks lines well, right, with his running. So, I was just thinking, oh, I'm not sure you want to turn up to Bournemouth with that type of midfield, but at the same time, I'm thinking, hold on, when Liverpool, we're gonna have most of the ball, we should create enough openings, and that attack as well. That attack filled me with confidence because that whole week, Arsenal made that game, that's all everyone was talking about. The amazing attack, how Gakpo Nunes, um, what's it called, Salah have all found their new roles. Gakpo's a new Firmino, blah blah. <laughs> Nunes has found his way, you know what I'm saying? So, I'm thinking you were, okay, you were riding the wave, yeah? Everyone was all riding the wave, so like, I was thinking, okay, you know what I'm saying? Hopefully, this attack can get us through, but yeah, the midfield I was, I was a little bit skeptical about, but I'm thinking they're bottom of the league, surely we should have enough, surely. All right, cool. so let, let, let's just go through the story of the game and we just highlight the main bits yeah so at the start we had a a big chance but I actually want this to be a bigger conversation because sometimes we have conversations in the cop end group and we don't know how fans you know who who are outside of the group feel now we had a big chance where Virgil could have scored once if not twice right I don't know if you feel this but for a for a man who stature wise is massive a man who is magnetic when it comes to winning the ball in the air, attacking and defensive set pieces. 
I feel like his ability to score headers is actually terrible. How do how do you feel about this? Yeah, it's, it's not good enough. It's not as good as it should be. And in terms of, like you said, his obviously stature, he's much bigger than everyone else. And he's able to always kind of leap. Like, it's rare you'll see anyone out-jump Van Dyke. Like, if, if he was getting out-jumped, he doesn't get out-jumped. So he's always the first to kind of get to the ball. But he doesn't direct it well enough. He never directs it well enough. He doesn't direct yeah. it on, And if he does direct on target, it's not with an, enough power. And I think a man who's so, so, so good at kind of headering the ball, he should be getting, like, do you remember, like, when... At his peak, like John Terry at Chelsea. I, I was just about to say, bro, if, John Terry was scoring eight goals a season. It felt like every week you'd see John Terry 1-0. John Terry 1-0. Yeah. Or Ivanovic. Ivanovic was the other one as well. John Terry, like, I'm sure it must be one season where John Terry must got like eight or nine goals. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Even like Ramos as well. Ramos is another one. It felt like maybe seven or eight goals a season. Like, and Van Dijk, he should be hitting those numbers. He and and Pete, you're going as far as Terry and Ramos. Bro, Gary Cahill was scoring about four or five goals a season, you know? You know what, Van Dijk does score about four or five goals a season, but it should be way more. Okay, fair, fair enough. So, so he does reach about three or four a season, but it should be way more. Like, I 100% agree with you. Like, the amount of chances he gets, um, it should be more. And yeah, just this game um, and the Northern Forest game as well, it feels like he's just cost us with those kind of guilt-edged chances that we really should be putting away, to be honest. Yeah, and, and do you know what? It, it wasn't just about us having early chances. I think Bournemouth, like you said, started off with the energy you expect of a team of fighting for their lives in the Premier League. It's probably been one of the tightest survival races because everyone can mathematically stay up or go down. Um, now, do you know what? I feel yeah, like we started low, you know? Like, huh? Yeah, I, I thought, I thought like... we had good control of the game. I thought first yeah. 15 minutes, we, we were. it was us about... Do we have any further gears we can go up? It wasn't that Bournemouth were posing a problem. No, like I only remember the one chance where Altara gets like put through by Solanke. Then he goes, he tries to go around Allison, yeah. but then Allison stays up. And, yeah, and then he kind of puts him to the side. Then, but other than that, like I remember Robertson getting in a few times um, on that left hand side. Nunes was looking like he was up for the game. Um, there was what, what was what was one chance I think. Was it Salah? I'm not too sure. But we, we created quite a few chances um, in that first 15 minutes. We looked like that we could, like you said, go up a few gears. But I don't know. It feels there's a constant theme within Liverpool games where it's like, yeah, we start games well. But if we don't score within that first 15 minutes, 20 minutes, it just feels like the players just kind of, I don't know, they kind of not lose their heads, but they kind of run out of ideas. And they kind of like, there's kind of this fear that sets in like, oh my God, we haven't scored in this first 15, 20 minutes. We've been peppering them. What now? Type of thing. Well, I, I think you're spot on. And, and the other problem here is exactly that, it, which is we never score when we're on top. We yep. never, ever score. Like, how many games? I mean, we've spent the whole season watching us go 1-0 behind. Whenever we have good periods to either get back into the game or set you know, set the precedent by scoring early, we, we never, ever do it. And, it's, and, and we can't just keep calling it like, oh, it was good we created this chance or, oh, this... this player made a you know played a great pass to put us in the mm. liverpool the liverpool we know and love we associated with if you give us one chance we're scoring that goal if you give us five chances we're scoring all five like the clinical nature throughout the team has like disappeared completely yeah it has it has to be honest um and it's just annoying because if it feels like especially in that type of game i feel like if you score one you probably score three or four yeah but you don't like, you, you don't score in that in that moment, and then all of a sudden you give Bournemouth confidence to kind of be like, um, okay, cool, we're still in this game, let's go for it. And I feel like the worst thing in the Premier League, I feel like, is you can do is be blunt because I feel like 
like like you said like you can it's basically like, like having a gun right and you have no bullets and once mm. the other person realizes that you have no bullets <laughs> you're in trouble they're gonna go all out for you you know what i'm saying like you could you could do be like create the best pattern to play create the best chances but if you don't score in this league teams are gonna punish you and it's like i don't know when we're on top we just need to be it like we need to score we have to be clinical like even the main night game yeah we started well and i feel like when we did score it was kind of out the run of play like it was right yeah, before yeah. Half time the game like, was kind of it was starting to fizzle out a bit the game yeah was... and we didn't even score whilst on top we kind of scored and it w- wasn't in the balance of play so it's just yeah i think that, that's kind of a real problem i'm not sure really sure why i don't i'm not i think maybe Nunes and Sada are probably not being as clinical as probably we'd like them to be in those moments and the team the, t- the team isn't creating enough clear-cut chances as well that's a big problem as well we're creating openings I mean... but we're not creating clear-cut chances we're going to go into all of that because we're going to talk about after we conceded that that the world's longest second half where we didn't look like scoring. Um, but we'll, we'll go back to that later. I want to talk about what probably all the ops have tuned in for, right? And that is, I can't believe I am saying this, but Virgil van Dijk versus Dominic Solanke. Yeah, it was a very interesting and uh, if you're a Liverpool fan horrific viewing of Virgil van Dijk struggling with strikers that he's eaten alive in years gone by. And then on the other side as well, so you can cover off both, a player that I think is decent on the ball usually, but Ibrahim Konate giving the ball away every three minutes from about 20 minutes onwards to make sure we build absolutely nothing. What was going on with our centre-back pairing that took us from having a strong performance against United to, for me, was a, was a shocking performance in terms of giving us a base of control in the game. Honestly, uh, it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, like he said, um, and there was even like, because there was one kind of opening where it felt like, I don't know, it might have been Solanke that was kind of through. And like, I just felt like Van Dijk, in a couple of years ago, he would have basically ran back and kind of like kept, kept up with him, but he just he couldn't. I don't know, it was, it was so strange to see. And... I feel like Van Dijk right now, he's in that kind of phase where it's like any striker who's willing to kind of chase these balls, willing to kind of be mobile, willing to kind of give him trouble, gives him trouble. And if, if, if a striker's mobile and it's physical, he's fine. We'll have that up. But any striker that actually wants to run, that actually wants to run in behind him, that actually wants to kind of be mobile, he has trouble with. And it's not that I don't think he can't run. To me, he doesn't want to. He, he, I honestly think like the goal, for the goal, he can, he can, he can shepherd Otero down the line, but he doesn't want to. He, like he, like almost like he thinks he's too good to to do that. Like I mean, I like, mean, we like, we, we should, for you, man. We like, we should yeah. go into the goal. We should go into the goal properly because yeah. I would accuse Van Dyke even more in the step before, which is Van Dyke has won the header right. It's gone out to the halfway line or just past it right until Adam it's Smith picks up the it, ball. Why? Why you can see Lazy. everyone else is in line. Fair enough. You know sometimes match of the day will dot a defensive line which is really poor where it's zigzagged. It's not. Trent, Konate and Robertson are all in line with each other. Virgil, you have come out. Well done. Front-footed. You've won the ball. You have actually have five to seven seconds to get back in position. So what on earth is going on where, A, you don't get back into that line? And then exactly what you said, Pete. He's done the little 20-yard sprint to now get in line with Watara. And then he stands off him again and Watara pushes the ball past. What what's going on with the ownership of actually defending? It's laziness, bro. Because I promise you, if that's Rashford, he shepherds him down the line. 
he shoves him down the line of his restaurant. It's laziness and it's just like it's arrogance, like like have a, that type of thing where it's like I'm so good, I don't need to do that. Like you're probably gonna kick or, off. Anyway. Aura, aura defending is is that what you're saying? Well, I don't know if it's, it's not even these aura defending. It's just, it's just yeah yeah maybe it is aura defending, but it's just like he thinks that like almost that like. He's not giving he's not giving his opponents respect. That, that's what it is. He's not yeah. giving the opponents that respect of like, yeah, you can still be Am Van Dyke and you can still be dangerous. Like he thinks that he in his mind, he thinks Av Robertson's got it, or the guy hasn't got enough quality to bring it back into the box. Mm. That's what he thinks. So but as a defender, like, you gotta think of the worst possible situation that can happen, right? He's not doing that at the moment. He's he's thinking like, oh well, you're probably not, you haven't probably you probably haven't got enough quality anyway, type yeah. of thing. You ain't got yeah. it. Yeah, you ain't you ain't got that quality anyway, so it's minor. You know what I'm saying? So it's just it's just annoying because we see him against Man City, against Haaland, do these unbelievable performances where he's like so attentive. He looks like he's rolled back the years against Man United last week as well. He's really good, but against these small teams, and there's a number of them. But I think we need to kind of talk on this pod where I feel like they really struggle to kind of motivate themselves and give the like put their best ability and show the best of themselves against small smaller teams. Like, I, I don't see how we can be beating my United 7-0 and you guys are all performing 8 out of 10s, 9 out of 10s, and then against Bournemouth, we're dropping a stinker the next week. 100%. It doesn't make any sense. It's, 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 an, it's, it's an attitude, it's a complacency problem, and it's just like these guys are probably not hungry enough. They're not um, They're not giving the opposition, opposition the respect that they deserve. They're not. But 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 what's going on there, Pete? Because a lot of... I know I know people like Mike have talked a lot about there's been a, a few a few rungs of a drop in terms of the physical def- decline of Van Dyke. That's fine because it can happen, age and injuries. But yeah. Pete, a lot of what you're saying is poor decision-making and poor approach to defending, which has nothing to do with I your physicality. How, how can that be affected? It's the approach, bro. It's the approach. He needs to, actually, he needs to give everyone the same amount of respect that they deserve in terms of everyone is dangerous, everyone can hurt at this moment, and every result is vital. Every result is vital last week in top four. So you need to give everyone the same kind of respect um, that, 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 that they deserve, to be honest. Um, and there's a lot of them, like, not just Van Dijk. I think Fabinho's guilty as well, because one day Fabinho looks 29, the next day he looks 45. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, how does, it go, how does it vary so much? How, how does it vary so much? Fabinho's the same way. Even Trent at times as well this season has, has been poor. Salah again. Salah is cooking short every single, like every minute last week, and then this week he's struggling to to to, to get past his fullback again. So it just, yeah, it's really annoying. Um, oh, you said about Kanate as well. I think Kanate just he had a bad day on the ball. Um, I don't, he, he had a bad. He wasn't very good in building up. Obviously, I think is probably a better builder than him. But obviously, we need Kanate's kind of physical presence. He's sweet. Mm. His ability to sweep as well is is is, is very necessary. I thought Kanate won a lot of tackles. That was a good That's thing. Like, I was going to say to you, like. I was going to say to you, even in that first half, how much defending does Kanate have to do? Like, bro, he front, had to bail out. He has to bail out both players on either side of him. That's how scary. For it is. France, I ain't seen this guy defend like this for France, and I thought he was fantastic in the World Cup. But the amount of defensive actions he has to do in this current Liverpool team is crazy, bro. <laughs> he's fighting for his life, isn't it? That's that's the problem. He's sweeping around Van Dijk. Next minute, he's covering Trent. He's stepping into midfield. He's getting on the ball. Like, bro, but like, we'll give him a really working that boy. Like, poor guy. And I know he didn't have his best game, but we're asking a lot of him, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I agree. And and ultimately, after that goal began a very long, say for the rest of the game, a long stretch of how on earth are we going to get a goal, right? Now, the first thing I want to complain about, because I tweeted about it, because I thought it was pathetic, right, is... 
The first complaint was Liverpool look like they're lacking ideas. They can't move the ball into the final third. Well, guess yeah. what? If Fabinho is standing in between the two centre-backs, Harvey yeah. Elliott is holding hands with Trent Alexander-Arnold at right-back, and Bajatic is in some weird Jurgen Klopp position on the left wing, you can explain to me, Peter, how we're going to get the ball up the pitch when no midfielders are in any kind of position to build up play. Yeah. I agree with you. That's not, <laughs> not much I can say, but like, I agree with you. I, I knew it was going to be a long day when Elliot, he tried to like get the ball off Billing and then Billing just pushed him to the ground. Oh, that was scary. That was scary. <laughs> he just pushed him to the ground and I just think once we go behind, I see why it took off Elliot, but I don't know. Like, keeping Bajatic on, like his pass selection, he's never been the best. He's not, he's not the best passer. Like what he brings to the team is he's, he's combative and he's got energy. So, uh, I don't know, but Projetic staying on the pitch to break down low block, I, I thought it was the wrong decision, to be honest. Like, him and Fabinho, Fabinho's gone into a shell his last couple of months as well. He, Fabinho doesn't... Remember when Fabinho first signed? Like, his passing was very inventive. He'll put it over the top for Mane. Yeah, yeah, whip it round the corner. You don't see any of that now from Fabinho. Just sideways, sideways, sideways. None of that. Oh, that one where he, he tried to pass it out wide to Salah and he overhit it so badly. Do you remember that one, man? It's actually embarrassing. Like, so I think I think I see why the Joe sub um, sub happened, but I don't know. I feel like you're better off taking Bajetic off and bringing on someone that can actually progress the ball. I don't know if it's going to be like Curtis, or I, I don't know who you could have brought. I don't think Kate was Kate on the bench. I'm not even sure. No, um, apparently not. So yeah, I mean, there's not many options, but also another thing he keeps doing is taking off Trent. Like, even if Trent's having the worst yeah. game, he's still having a minute sixty. Why are you bringing off Milner? Bring on Milner. Doesn't make any sense. No, no idea. And I think the the I mean, he might argument for this one game, even though it's happened frequently, is he might have a Madrid Madrid on the side of his, you know, thoughts as well. Not that we're that's a game. Yeah, we're losing leg two as well. I know that much. Um, but I was I was gonna say um, one thing that. So what, what's the solution I, to that then? What's the solution no, but, to before there's a solution, right? I, I want to talk this about about this with you because this is part of a solution, and that is um, I kind of noticed this, which is I really hate. Even though he had a good game against United, I really hate the way Harvey Elliott receives the ball. Firstly, he doesn't receive it on his back foot. Secondly, mm-hmm. he's never on the half turn, so he's facing. Um, the goal's direction, right? So you can play a forward-thinking pass. It's such a closed way of receiving the ball. The only pass that's ever on is passing it back where it came from. So mm-hmm. in, in terms of developing that, right, how, how do you think we can coach that? Is that a lack of confidence to be able to face the riskier side of the pitch? Is it just habits that he needs to be coached out of? Because ultimately, Harvey Elliott is meant to be our creative player, right? But even when he does attacking things, the number of times, I'm sure you've seen it, when he floats the ball, tries to play a ball over the top, but it just floats into the keeper's hands. That Like, his final ball isn't as good as what people think just because he's a technical player. So do you think Elliot has a lot of work to do to get to a first-team dependable level? Or do you think that you're actually happy with this game and it's others who need to lift what they're doing? Um, see, I think... It's, it's kind of like a cause of him not trusting his body. So when he receives it, I think he wants to receive it so that he's kind of protecting the ball and shielding the ball so like no one can get it because he probably yeah. knows that he's not the biggest. He knows he's body not, between like... Body between ball and man kind of thing. Yeah, that's what he's thinking first and foremost. But he, what he doesn't realise is that he's kind of closing up 
Um, he's obviously his angles and he's um, where, like places to pass pass the ball. Um, and he just, I think the way he receives the ball as well, he really tries to avoid using that right foot of his in every single way. Yeah, shape yeah, or form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that right foot is really just only for standing. So mm. again, he's closing up his, his angles as well. And maybe obviously he's played most of his, his professional game on the wing, isn't it? So he's still learning how to kind of receive the ball, how to kind of twist yeah. and turn. I'm not writing him off. He's 19 years old. There's nothing to yeah. write off here. What I'm saying is, whether he likes it or not, whether it's good for his development development or not, brother, you are first team Liverpool right now because we're yeah. crap. So I'm talking about how we use him for the rest of the yeah, season at least. You know what? That main United performance gave me, and the way, I like the way he presses and he's a good counter presser. And he's got this kind of energy, and obviously he's, he's, he's secure on the ball. Whilst I don't think he's great, he's final pass is the best. He's secure on the ball, so I do think there's a place for him in, in, in this midfield. But I think what we're pairing him with with him at times just hasn't the best has been the best. So, like if you put if you paired him with a controller like a Thiago, like a Keita, or he can go and buzz and do his thing, he would look so much better. But pairing him with Bajetic, pairing him with Henderson, it's just yeah, I, I don't think it's a good look for him at the moment. It's just it's it's, it's not great and. That type of game as well, like, it's just annoying because he's the one that, he's a scapegoat in that type of game because, I don't know, it feels, it feels like the type of thing where he gets the blame where all of them are bad. Like, Jetic's bad, Fabinho's bad. Even, like, Gakpo is not really in the game. Like, he's a, like yeah. he feels like he's in the yeah. periphery of the game as well. So, it's just him being a kind of scapegoat. But I do think there's a place for him in this midfield, but it's just, it's annoying that him and Bretic have to play so many games and the pairing, like, we, the people we have to pair them with are just, it's not ideal. It's not ideal. So that type of game, I, I, I kind of feel sorry for him, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I can see your point. I can see your point. And, and th- that's the big thing here. It's not about he... I, I'm not going to put any result on Harvey Elliott or Bajatic. I think that's nasty to do at the age they're at. It's just whether you like it or not, those are the expectations no, of oh, senior team football. I think Bajatic, I think we might have to tame, like, have, like, tamper, not what's the word, like, tape our expectations a little bit. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I think especially some of the like our lot, the Coppin lot, and I they like they love our youth so much, and I'm happy for them that they do. But it's just like it's one of the ones where <laughs> happy for them. Like I, I love it. Like you're optimistic for our youth. Like I love it. But it's just that I, I don't think he's gonna like I don't know. I don't see ceiling being this high high ceiling where he's gonna be one of. He's not good like, enough on the ball for for the ceiling I'm, to well, be good. From what I see is that like he's tied on the ball. He doesn't have an idea of what he's going to do before he gets the ball. At so all, at all. he receives the ball, and it's like, okay, who's available? Who should I pass to? You get it? where like mm. a, a proper midfielder, a proper like you know, a proper player. Like when I'm talking about a proper player, I'm talking a proper player has an idea of what they're going to do before they get get the ball. So mm. they have that like a hole they want to slide the ball through, or like they have like a player they want to uh, progress the ball to. Whereas Bajetic's kind of just thinking, as long as I don't lose this ball, it's calm. You know what I'm saying? And that's not really how like a top midfielder kind of thinks. <sighs> so. I think I think yeah. the only thing I would want to add to that, I, th- I think you're spot on. The only the, the big kind of difference between what Bajatic does and what a good midfielder does is when the ball goes from the defense into midfield, right? What you expect from a Liverpool level central midfielder is that you can play a pass that adds more quality than the person you receive the pass from. Whereas yeah, yeah, he's right. he's like He's part of moves and parts yeah. of keeping the ball moving, yeah, but right, he will right. never do something better than what a Robertson or a Van Dijk yeah. or a Canate. It's almost like like Matip can probably play the better pass than him. Hundred <laughs> percent goes without saying. Honestly, it yeah. goes without saying. 
Yeah, and, and I still, I still, think there's definitely a place from this Liverpool squad, right? Like, because we need the kind of legs, we need the energy, the combativeness, and he can keep the ball. So there's definitely a place for him, and I think he'll be definitely like a Liverpool squaddy, and maybe even like a first team, like a starter in at some point in his Liverpool career. But as for like being like a, I don't know, like a world class midfielder, or like I don't know, being the next like I don't know, Pedro or Gavi. Yeah, I, I don't see it. I don't see it. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's unfair on him. It's, him. it's unfair yeah, on it's him cool. to say that. You get what I mean? Yeah, it's not his fault. He shouldn't be playing this amount of games, and he shouldn't be relied upon this this much. But in this game, I, I just, especially in that second half, I really felt like we missed someone like Thiago because it just felt like we couldn't really retain the ball. We couldn't build up, like you said, every three passes. Canati was losing the ball. Um, we couldn't really find anyone between the lines. It's getting to the point where like Jota's having to come deep, beat three or four guys, and then shoot. Like it should never get mm-hmm. to that point because Jota's not even that type of player. But He's not receiving the ball in between the lines. Cody Gakpo's not receiving the ball in between the lines. We really struggled to progress it. Um, and, it, yeah, it was, just, it was just really poor. So, I think we really struggled, especially with that, that kind of controller and that kind of, like, person, just just high touch, like a high touch midfielder that wants to get on the ball, make things happen, like a Thiago, like a KR. We, we struggled. I think we really struggled in that game for that. So, I this is my biggest worry now. This is the section I'm probably going to get most annoyed without even vocalising it which is our, from minute 45, when the second half kicked off, to until we got the penalty, how we approached trying to create chances and create any form of build-up. I could, I, Pete, I couldn't believe what I was watching. Like, it was, like, we were so spread out, it didn't look like there was even two players close together to complete a one-two. It didn't look like we were set up that if we lost the ball, we'd be able to defend any counters. It was, I, honestly, I thought the second half was was shocking. It was just just 11 guys who had no idea who was going to take responsibility. First thing we definitely need to talk about, Pete, I don't think Darwin Nunes is playing well at the moment. He's played better in periods where he hasn't scored. I think at the moment, he doesn't look like he has goal threat. What's going on with Darwin? Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> and am, am I, I, I just feel like he just looks so tired because he, he's not playing that same intensity, that same kind of chaos factor that he's playing with. Like, he just feels like a kind of, like a parody of himself almost. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like yeah, a, like, yeah, yeah. Like a moot he's not a menace. Himself. He's not a menace to defenders, menace. is he, at the moment? So, and if, if Darwin is not a menace, then what is he? <laughs> like, yeah. what is he? You know what I'm saying? So, and even in my United game, we said that in the first half, he wasn't really a menace to... To Dello and and that and that side, um, it's only when kind of Gakpo, kind of him and him in interchanges, like that's when we kind of got our best spell. And it was it's kind of like fortunate that he kind of got the two goals. I just feel like that kind of same intensity, that kind of chaos, that kind of like, like he said, just being a worry, being a nightmare for the defenders. But we're, we're not really seeing it, so it's just I don't know it's just really strange. And this Liverpool team, we've we've literally got ninety points, ninety something points in two three seasons, like. We're so used to breaking our low blocks. Like, Mush, how do you break that low blocks? We know this. Like, you literally, you keep the ball in play for as long as you can, retain the ball at all costs, you don't force things, you get your wingers high and wide. Like, I know this. So you're telling me these players don't and, know and this. And not just that, and not just that, Pete. It's exactly what we enjoyed with Salah and Mane, which wasn't about being technical, you know, refined monsters. It was relentless and constant challenging of your fullback by movement constantly just run i'm not even talking about be good on the ball Mane would do the out to in run 50 to 100 times a game darwin you definitely have the fitness level the pace 
and the intensity to be able to do that. But it's I not like break outside the team, though. I think he's. I think. He, I think you he's knackered. Think... I think he's knackered. You, th- like... you think Jota needs a run starting? Yeah, him. I think we ran him into the ground. Like honestly, because you think this guy like. So what, what game? He got injured one game. What, I can't remember what game he got injured. And he was straight back in the next game. The yeah, the game shoulder, shoulder in. injury was Newcastle. Yeah. Away. And then he, he was straight back in. So I just feel like we've literally played this guy into the into the ground. You're forgetting he's, all, he's, he's only 23 as well. Like, this is a 23-year-old. He's still going to have dips and form. He's still, I know we bought him for a lot of money, but like, I think he needs to spot the team maybe two or three games and he'll be back to kind of his best. But I think we've literally flogged. He, not everyone's seller, innit? Not everyone's seller. You can play every game and whatever. It not kind of affect well, them, like. I wanted to talk about a man who I've called today the Egyptian Gary Lineker, yeah? And that that is Mohamed Salah himself, yeah? Anonymous throughout the game. The one time he has to make a statement is unable to make it, yeah? So you tell me, Pete, what the hell Mohamed Salah was doing for 90 minutes. And on top of that, what happened with that pen we obviously know he spoke to Gerard and he said about how he actually doesn't like taking penalties and things like that even though he scored a lot of them that's what um, he said yeah yeah did you not see that clip yeah he said that he what, finds what he say? so he said that he something along the lines of I don't want to misquote but it was along the lines of he finds taking penalties quite uncomfortable um but he took them off Milner and he's you know, developing a way of scoring them. So I think, you know, egomaniac Salah, we know we know about him always wanting to make sure that the numbers are there. So I think he takes yeah. them because he sees the benefit. But you know how Milner trusts his technique a lot with taking them? Yeah. I think, look, there's not often I'll say this, but Anik has always raised the point about how Salah's way of even kicking it isn't a reliable way of of taking penalties. And and we don't want to do the whole confirmation bias thing of just because he missed, it means that his technique isn't good. I'm talking more about how he runs up to the ball, even in the ones he scores. But this was, I mean, nothing needs to be said. It was a pen we definitely needed to score that he didn't. Um, I can't believe some of the arguments and debates about people saying it wasn't a pen. Adam Smith threw his arm out. Definitely, because he knew he was missing the ball. Where did you Where did you sit on whether it was a pen or not? Yeah, of course it was a pen. His, his, his arm is out in an unnatural position. There's no reason for his arm to be out like that. So I think it's definitely a pen. Um, he definitely can get out of the way. He's got enough time to get out of the way, but it shouldn't, it shouldn't be in that kind of position anyway. Um, but that's interesting that you say that. I just feel like, like you said, I feel like the humble side of Salah kind of probably thinks that like, oh, this kind of taking a pen. It's probably not for him, but then that egomaniac side of him is probably fighting yeah. his other side. He just wants the numbers and he wants to kind of obviously, obviously, inflates numbers but there was, there, was, there was one kind of thing that I always kind of remember that sticks out especially with penalties is that him asking so I think it was maybe last season he asked Ben Foster like if I took a penalty today where, where, would, it, where would you have gone and then Ben Foster said mm-hmm. I would have gone to my right because that's where you kind of always go so I, I, I don't know is it, what I take from that is that kind of obviously he's obsessed with scoring and he wants to know what kind of goalkeepers think but at the same time is he like second down is he like second down himself type of thing like is he kind mm. of just, you know what I'm saying? Is he kind of like just, I feel like with penalty takers, the most, I think the best penalty takers are always just have this kind of irrational confidence that they think they're going to score. They're, they're so confident in their abilities no matter what. And when I think of like these type of players, I think of like, I don't know, Balotelli, for example, like just someone who just, his penny record is amazing, but like Balotelli has this kind of irrational confidence that he thinks he's the best player in the world. Yeah, yeah. And you need that, right? Yeah. You need to be the, yeah. the, like, what it is, is, 
you have to not, ca- no not care. You have yeah. to not care about the repercussions if you miss. That's Basically, a big thing about penalties. Even even Tony, for example, he's another one where like he pay, he takes the penalties in a way that no one tells you you should definitely take it because he doesn't know where he's going to put it. For example, like he literally decides when the goalkeeper dives. Okay, I'm going to put it to this side, put it to that side, and he I don't think he's missed the penalty yet for Brentford. So um, yeah, mm. but I, I do think Salah's a good penalty taker. I just feel like. The problem is, is that Neto used to play for Roma. So Neto, him and Neto are in the same squad at Roma. So I think it's another case of like, Kane, Norman Kane and Lloris, England versus France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. what you do, because you know that opposition knows you well. So I feel like he's tried to binge it. Um, and you're trying to hit up. it too perfectly. Is that what you're saying? Because he knows that Neto knows who he is, right? They have a relationship. Did together, he drive so. the right? He did drive, drive the no, he drove the wrong way though, didn't he? No, but Salah normally goes to the right and Neto dives to the right, but Salah went to oh, his okay, left, tried to bend it. Salah always goes to his right, but he always puts it like so well to the right that the goalkeeper can't get it. But mm. I feel like Salah, Salah changed what he normally does. All he needs to do was roll it to the other side because he would have scored, but I think Salah changed what he usually does because Neto knows him. But either way, he should have scored. Um, it's not, it's not really but, good enough for you to have scored, and it is what it is. Yeah, man, and and I think um, I mean I found. How did you find his performance in general? I found his lack of goal threat. I'm super, super, super disappointed, man. Because I just yeah. thought, right, Salah, now's the time. The goal, the rush, the rush to twenty goals begins now. Let let's start performing. He just had no effect on the game, man. What what was going on with him? I just again, I keep going back to this problem, but I just feel like him, Van Dijk, Fabinho. These are our senior players. Trent, if you like it, I just feel like they really struggle to get themselves up for these games against these kind of smaller teams because they don't really have competition in their places. They know they're going to start every week. Like, mm. who is who is taking Fabinho's place? Even if you wanted to be, even if Fabinho's playing one out of ten every week, he's still coming back to that place because no one has to come back if it's him. Like, yeah. like start every game, Salah, starting every game, Trent, Calvin Ramsey, you got my man to come in. <laughs> Calvin <laughs> Ramsey's not even putting a dent in Trent's, you know what I'm saying? Not even making him sweat at all. So, like, these type of players, like, unless they're playing kind of opposition who, like, I feel like yeah. they like to play, like, bigger type of players. Where, where like, their yeah, pride can... where their pride is at stake. Kind yeah, of. exactly. Okay, I know I'm playing Haaland today. I can get embarrassed if I don't switch on. I know I'm playing Rashford today. I can get embarrassed if I don't switch on. But they truly believe that. Is, like... is it not embarrassing losing to all these other teams, though? Bro, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. I, do you think... It feels like they just don't have anything left to prove, though. Maybe Seller for Seller obviously probably wants to get his goal record, but you probably will reach it anyway. But like, it just feels like they don't have nothing left to prove. They don't hungry. Like they just, I don't know, bro. Like honestly, uh, you could take, you can answer the question as well. I, I don't know what's going on with them, honestly. I, I I don't have an answer to it. It's I know people listen to these things to try and find some answers, but I I don't have an answer to a what you said about why we pick and choose. Games game where we time. want to show sharpness, yeah, yeah. and and the other bit is winners want to win yeah. all the time. That's exactly. the biggest thing. And why is it if you guys are winners and you guys are used to accumulating the points totals, like you said, why do why is it that the moment getting to those kinds of points title totals disappear, your standards disappear completely as well. Why does that happen? My, 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 my question goes like, I know this is my, sound like my thing to say, but are these guys winners or are these guys, have has Klopp really plucked every single bit of greatness from them? Like, I, I'm just like, it's a question, you know what I'm saying? Like Ramos, I know he's a winner. These Ramos players, I know they're winners because regardless of the manager, they... They win trophies every season. They get to finals every season. Boom, boom, boom. But has Klopp really just 
got a great group of players and really plunged every single greatness from them. We don't know. I, yeah, I'm saying it's a question. I don't what, know. As in, like they've maxed out. They've literally maxed out. I mean, like, are they very good players or are they winners? Like, there's a difference between like being a very oh, good okay, player and being like a winner and winning every single mindset. You wake up, I want to win today, boom, boom, boom. Or is it just like I'm very talented and I'm, I'm in a great set of group, like group of players, boom. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There's a difference. You know what I'm saying? There's a difference. That's a, that's an interesting point because being winners is an individualistic thing of having standards yeah. that you you uphold all the time. Whereas, exactly like you said, if it's just a great team, you're all caught up in enjoying being part of a collective and it just gets you far. That's probably exactly. the difference, right? Yeah. Mm, that, that, that is interesting. And, and ultimately, that leads us naturally to talk about a group of players who are actually winners, and that's Real Madrid CF. Yeah, real winners out here. Yeah, Pete. Um, I've been kindly sent by Fahi some uh, news. We, I don't know who's gonna play. I think Pete, you're gonna have to pull your shin pads out because it's just been announced. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jordan, Jordan Henderson and Badgetic. Played two ninety minutes this weekend. I'm cooked. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I've been, I've been, I'm cooked, and I've got no minutes under my belt at all. So. Ultimately, <laughs> Hendo and Bajatic are also out. Who the hell is going to play? Who's it going to be? It's probably going to be Milner, um, Elliot, Milner, Elliot, Fabinho at the Bernabeu. Jesus is Lord. That was the same midfield <laughs> that got called by, by Napoli, by the way. That like exact same midfield. I, I would personally do Fabinho, Elliot, and Keita. That's what I would probably personally do. Um, you know, <laughs> and I, it's, it's not going to take us far, but you know, fuck it. You know what I'm saying? Why not? But I, I, I just don't see why. I, I, I don't want to. The thing is, that. you got no response from me just then, because to me, it was like, okay, trash, trash versus garbage is it, it, is fine. You, you you choose. Um, but yeah, it's it's not looking it's not looking good, man. It's not looking as long as they don't embarrass themselves, man. Just try and get like a one nil or two one or something like that. Yeah, I just care about maybe either. Win if you can, or draw the second leg. Like, yeah. just don't. I, I don't. I say don't lose it. Even if we do lose, it, I couldn't care less. So but important actually, do you know what's important? Now I'm thinking about it with this fragile bunch, and we see how vulnerable they are this season. We can't get embarrassed because if we do get embarrassed, that will have a knock-on effect into our Premier League campaign. So, like you said, truly, we need to kind of even at least not make a goal of it, but at least have a competitive <laughs> game. Like, you know what I'm saying? Have a competitive game. If, if we, we we win 2-1 or, like, we draw 1-1, one, one, at least, you know what I'm saying, we, we, you don't get embarrassed. But if you do get embarrassed, I just feel like, especially if this away, we kind of, like, have this kind of away game hoodoo right now where it's, like, everywhere we go away from home, we can't do anything. So, yeah, we just, we just, we, we just have to make sure the players' morale doesn't go down and, like, it just plummets and, yeah, we can't have that. Pete, I'm, I'm just laughing because you just said don't lose because that will affect our Premier League season winning 7-0 did not affect our premier league season so if, if losing does nothing if winning does nothing honestly i don't know what to expect from from the next games but one thing i am interested in is we obviously have three very big premier league games coming up in city chelsea and arsenal right tough run now with United, it's, you know, a big game after a long time. It's you're right, rising it as a one-off. In those three games, what are you looking to see? And 
what are you what do you actually think will unfold um yeah i'm looking for us to rise it man like like, like we do like 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 we did against man united like like we did against man city is <clears throat> turn up and obviously really compete especially the games at home as well well the game at arsenal at home like um, we've been we've been quite good, especially in the big games at, at home this this season. And like the crowd, thank God for that crowd because really they they're really getting us through. <laughs> they're really getting us through this <laughs> they're better than most of our players, by the way. Literally, and even Chelsea as well. I think Chelsea, what what are we like five six points ahead of them? Like we have been a better team than this season, and we we should just prove that. We should see it. Like I don't see how a Chelsea team should really keep our attack quiet, especially in our attack in in full flow. Um, whoever you want to put in, Nunes, Salah. Gekpo, Nunes, Salah, Jota. Um, we should definitely get some goals then. Hopefully, we see Van Dijk, Konate and be the players that they can be. So, funnily enough, I'm actually more confident about those games than maybe like a quiet game. So, I'll probably say we can, we can come out of that three games with like four points, I would say. Like a win and a draw and maybe like a loss. Yeah, I, generally, I think this team has not... I don't think this team has a problem with turn up for big games. Obviously, there's we have certain weaknesses, right? So, if you exp- exploit our weaknesses, like... For example, like an athletic midfield, like someone like Partey and Jacka, I feel like Odegaard might be a bit too much for our midfield, and we might have to concede possession or we might have to just counter them, or whatever. So we do have our weaknesses. Don't get me wrong, but I just feel like in big games, we we've shown the season that we can kind of get by, kind of thing. So I don't know. I could maybe see us, maybe I don't know, like maybe beating Chelsea, drawing. Actually, Chelsea games away from home, isn't it? Fact. Yeah, the first two are away, so City and Chelsea are away, and then Arsenal's at home. I don't know, I could see us getting a win and then maybe drawing with Arsenal and then losing to City or like either Yeah, something like that. I don't know. I, I can just, I know I know we'll be in someone. I don't know who but we'll be in someone. I don't know who. <laughs> yeah, so I, I actually agree that there will be a win in that. I think weirdly, I think there's gonna be one win, there's gonna be one boring game, and then I think another game will will return us to the mean and we get battered it could be i i'd argue this the city game we get battered to show what our actual level is and then arsenal yeah. at home we, we rise it or something like that so uh yeah arsenal, I, i'm just I, I, would, I would say we beat arsenal but they're actually really good like <laughs> generally like a really 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 good team so it's just hard for me to just kind of forego every single logic in my head to be like okay, because, I, I mean know. the the only thing I would say with the Arsenal thing though is taking away the the last result that they got, they're conceding a lot of goals in general in this in this last month or two. They're not they're not as you know watertight as as they've been in that first half of the season. So I'm actually I'm not as long as like you said before when you first described the Bournemouth game, if there's a type of team that will let us score or we or have you know form for letting teams score. That gives us a platform to build the confidence to show we're a good team. Chelsea worries me more because they'll be happy to stink it out on both ends. Yeah. You get what I mean? That yeah. that's what that's what concerns me. It's like Chelsea won't raise the tempo. Chelsea won't play blind in football to give us gaps as well. I can see that in the same way the first game was shocking. I can see this game yeah. being shocking as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, hopefully, Thiago's back as well. Hopefully, because we, we need him. We need, we need, need, need. Just, I just, just goes into the bigger part of us, our you know season, next you know season. Really me as well is that, like, every single game, I feel sorry for clock because it's like, the midfield partnership for every game that it requires is so different. Like, it needs, like, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm saying like I feel like for the main like game, it was fine to play Henderson, Fabinho, and Elliot because it worked. But then like you can easily see why that wouldn't work against another team. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like mm. every single game we're playing now, because Armfield is so everyone kind of has their specialities. <laughs> so it's like Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a Swiss Army, Swiss Army knife of a midfield, isn't it? Yeah, so like everyone kind of has what they're good at and what they're really bad at as well. So it's so easy to kind of get the partnerships wrong. So every game, he has to kind of see, okay, do I need to project it for this game? Do I need Elliot for this game? Do I need Kate for this game? So it's just, yeah. It's, it's and he doesn't mythology. even have the luxury of choice now. Because no, more than half of them are always injured, right? So the one that's best suited for games... Yeah, exactly. The one that's best suited for a game is never available. It's an absolute, absolute nightmare. So, yeah, I, I don't know. God God help us for these three games, but I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I don't. Know. A part of me is just like bring it on because it's like cool. Like, how bad can it really get? And I know we kind of turn up for big games, but at the same time, it's just like we can kind of get embarrassed here. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think um, a big thing here also is like forgetting who these opposition are. Everyone's been doing this whole thing of you know, oh, Liverpool beat United. There's plenty of games left. People need to remember that after we play these three big games, there's only nine games left it. to get the Yeah, we could be out of it. There's only nine games left. So, you know, expecting Spurs to lose, you know, four of the last six games or something, not some nonsense like that, yeah. like, like that isn't going to happen. So we can't actually afford not just losing. Like you said, we need some three points in these three games. If we lose two of those three games, we're out, we're out of the top four, I think. I think so. Scary, like, scary. Let me see. Um, let me see if we've got any listeners' questions because I'm sure someone sent some in. That can um, easily but um, yeah, I, to be fair, that I think on on as positive though, because I don't think I have said many positives today. Jota looked sharp, um, when he came on. That's that's the best I've seen Jota look probably since he's is it, um, he's is it since his injury. So, um, I think Jota probably should be aligned to start maybe a couple of games. Um, so yeah, yeah. Actually, I was going to ask you about that. Um, the other person who he did bring on near the end, who has had the least amount of time, I would say, out of the players in the squad, is Fabio Carvalho. Right? We, I would, I would say, I don't know. Speaking honestly, I don't know what his best role is. I don't know what what his um, USPs are in terms of the best things he's good at. I don't know what areas of the pitch he produces the biggest threat. I know nothing. We're we're nearly a full season in. I know nothing about Fabio Carvalho. Thing, the only thing I can think of is that like he's good technically and he's a good. He's actually no. He's he's he's, he's composed in the box. We know that because mm. the finish against Man City, the finish against um, Newcastle as well. Yeah. Um, he's composing the box like he so makes like a cool head, part. a cool head in those finishing situations, basically. Yeah. So, but then, like you said, where has he has his biggest threat from? On Jesus knows, because is it left wing? Is it <laughs> ten? Is ten mid? Like, I'm not too sure. And I don't know. He, he to me, he doesn't really seem like a clock player. Like, he seems like I mean, not, he doesn't really. Do you know I don't, who he has, reminds me of? He reminds Central. me of someone like you no, Central, no. Man. Really interesting. I thought I think in terms of what he's good at, which is just in those inside areas, he looks like he does what kind of Reese Nelson does. Do you get what I mean? In those kinds yeah, of areas, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's not gonna carry the ball massive amounts. He's not gonna 
work out on the touchline and beat his man. It's just about small, sharp things that he can do. Where then the hell like, does that fit in our squad like, in this big transition he's not, he's not team? 10, he's not a 10, but he's not a winger. Like He's, yeah, just he's not creative team. enough to be a 10. He's not athletic yeah. enough to be a centre mid. He's not explosive enough to be a winger. He's not physical enough to be a striker. Like I can talk myself out of playing Fabio Carvalho in every single part, position on the pitch. Do you get what I mean? I feel like he needs he needs to be I don't know man he needs to be one of them teams where like they create so many situation chances he's high touch it's you touch high touch one twos like yeah one twos yeah yeah. exchanges combination plays right um but we're so far from that it's it's, (laughs) we are so like you look at the guy that plays left wing for us now it's like Darwin Nunes plays left wing for us now and that's because he can do everything by himself. You know that, right? Like, yeah, is it yeah. he plays left wing right now because... He can cover an 80-yard 80 80-yard rectangle is what he can Literally, cover. he needs no help to, to create his own chances. He's just like a absolute monster. He can carry the ball. He's quick. So, yeah, it was so far from him. Like, I felt sorry for him and that's why I kind of think he might even have to go on loan next year or something like that because it's just like where this team at, is at this point in time, yeah... I'm not too sure where he kind of fits in, but yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's one of them things where it's like, we're not in the best moment. So these type of players, we can't really afford to kind of fit them in in the squad at the moment, but yeah. Cool. So let's, let's go through some listeners questions. We've got some great questions apart from uh, one question from uh, Asa from uh, touchlines and touchdowns, which was Bournemouth. Really? I mean, to be honest, you could <laughs> name Name half of the table and say really at the end of it because that's how yeah, we are. really, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just you know, okay, fair enough, man. I hear yeah. it. Yeah, shock. I'm shocked, but not surprised. That's the only way I can respond to that. Um, now really? let's talk, let's talk about the questions that have actually come in. So we've got long-time listener, our boy Gunner D. Um, and he um, he's asking, can each of you give us your first choice front line? So I'm assuming this is with the assumption that everyone's available. Um, your first choice front line and why? So you go first, Pete. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it's hard. It's difficult. Difficult because we haven't seen Diaz and mm. Jota like the best of them for ages. So it's just right now. It's just it's, it's difficult to kind of. And I really want to fit them in, but <laughs> right now I I think Salon Nunes have to play. Yeah, but I think. It has to be because those are our kind of two best ways of scoring and those are the kind of output machines that we have. Even though they might be high risk and they don't keep the ball as well and they kind of might be a bit clumsy at times, um, I think those two are certainly start starters right now in terms of if you if you want to score goals, those those are our two best ways of scoring goals right now. Um, and it's just the other position that I'll be kind of, um, that I'm kind of debating with between Jota and, and Gakpo, but um, yeah, I'll probably say the front three it is right now, and I haven't just because I haven't seen Jota obviously being the form that he was kind of last season. So it will be Gakpo, Salah, and Nunes. If it, if it was to start a final tomorrow, that would probably be the final. That would probably be the front three that I start. What, what about you? Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of this answer is dependent on how we're performing as a team overall. So that's probably how I'm going to frame my answer. So the first thing here is. If it's based on how shit we are in the rest of the pitch at the moment and how we move the ball, then yeah. you're completely right. I think the front yeah. three that currently exists, for me, Gakpo has to play because he's the only one who creates some kind of link between the mm. midfield and the attack. So he, for me, is the must. Salah is a must just because of reputation and respect for his output. 
Yeah. Right now, exactly like you say, we're crap on the ball. We don't move it well. So Nunez's relentless, you know, taking your dog out to the park way of playing, which is just like running around and happy to go anywhere and work as hard as you want is important. But I think the one thing that would probably be the difference is if Nunez were to be the same player he is now, but we improved as a team overall in terms of how we move the ball, then I'd take out current Nunez for Jota when he's sharp. Because I yeah, think yeah, yeah. If, if the team if the team are a lot better at getting the ball up to the final third, right now you're mentioning Nunez because no one's going to even get it to the final third. So he has to start off in the middle third. But if it was exactly... There's no one else that can run in Sorry? behind. There's no one else that can run in behind as well. Uh, 100%. So I think if, if we were a good threat and we knew how to get our fullbacks in behind and all of this stuff, then Jota's sharpness is and finishing is a lot more dependable than Nunes. But right now, an attacker at Liverpool is expected to do so much more. And I think anyone listening might be like, oh, you guys haven't mentioned Diaz at all. I think the big thing for Diaz here is we don't know what an actual winger, rather than all the other three players we talked about, four players, Jota, Gakpo, Nunes and Salah, are all forwards who score goals. We don't know what a winger or how a winger sinks in with that. So how do you think Diaz as a winger sits with having two other forwards with him. We, we still don't even know if he's a winger or inside forward yet as well. Like, there's, 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 there's questions like it's not bad questions, just that we need to more know, know more about him. Like we need more of a sample size of Diaz. Like we haven't seen him, like you said, in a different team in this kind of setup. So yeah, it's just it's more of a case of just us not getting to know Diaz a bit more and just kind of him not being such like an, an unknown quantity. Okay, cool. So uh, next question, kind of discussed it, but let's discuss it more because I'm happy to blast these players. Uh, okay, we've got uh, Strictly Eye Test who asks, with these men not being able to get up for small games, serious questions have to be asked about the mentality. Whose mentality, I don't know if this is asking about a particular player or the coach versus the squad, Whose mentality do you think needs to be questioned the most? So you give me one player yeah. we should question the most, and then no. whether it's the team or the manager. No, I'm giving you a couple of names because they need to be flowed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fabinho, number one. Number <laughs> one. No, because this guy, I don't the drop-off is too crazy, bro. I've never seen nothing like this. Like the drop-off, he's playing like like you know when Rio Ferdinand was at what's it called done that. QPR. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, it was like they just space jammed all his powers, and this guy was slow. His reaction time was so bad. Like I'm never like this version of Fabinho, and it's just like every once in a fight, like every every one in five games, like he he might have a competent performance, but he's just so slow to everything. You can get by him so easily. His passing, his passing is just drastically decreased. He doesn't like. He's, he's not competitive at all. Like, I, I just don't understand. Like, and it's just because. But is this mentality, though? Is this mentality? Because that's the that's question. The because you can't drop off this much, bro. You cannot. Like, so, okay, your, your athletic powers have dropped off. Cool. But that your your mind hasn't. So, yeah. like, 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 okay, I don't like giving this example, but I don't know. Maybe, like, a, for example, I don't know. Like, okay, Boss gets never been the maddest, quickest, whatever. Yeah. But, like, his mind is still up there. 
He's, like you, you press him, he's gonna play it around the corner. You press Fabinho, and he's gonna be like, uh, 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 and he's gonna, yeah, I'm saying, he's gonna think, <laughs> like your mind, your mind, your the the quickness of moves and the quickness and decisions shouldn't be affected. So him, Van Dijk as well, because I feel like Van Dijk, he hasn't prepared himself um, in games in terms of, like you said, giving that respect to his opponents. I, I don't think he shows that enough to me. He still, he still feels like he doesn't want to sweat in games, but he has to because we're not as good. Um, so, yeah. Listen, not just sweating. I saw went three years without seeing Van Dyke with a muddy shirt. Now I'm seeing struggle to wrestle Solanke on the floor. That was scary when he hit the deck. You want to engage. And it's just like, well, you, you have to. We're not good enough for this. Um, and who else will I say? I really said Trent. I really said Salah and... Um, and you know what? Pep Linders, just because, why not, man? Fuck it. Pep Linders. <laughs> <laughs> that was the maddest stray. That is hilarious. Um, okay, yes, cool. Man. That guy, bringing too many area division players, man. Relax, bro. Cool, cool off. It's already busy player he got. The last area division he got is a good one, man. I'm all with it now. Um, right. Next, uh, Count Draxula. Yeah. Two questions. Number one, how you think about it. One, was Tiago a poor signing? Thinking about all the different aspects of Tiago's career at Liverpool. Was he a poor signing or not? No, I don't think it was a poor signing. I Sorry, think it was a we, we haven't signing. cut out our stream. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, Expand. I think I think he's a luxury signing in terms of the fact that. We bought him to kind of upgrade the team and upgrade our midfields, but our, our kind of like the seasons that we kind of played him in, our team has kind of decreased and we we become a worse team, and yet we still have this kind of luxury player inside of it. So, I think last season was where you saw the best of Thiago, right? So you saw a team who fully functions well, um, like our attackers. We still had obviously we still had Mane, we still had even the likes of Origi, Minamino. Um, Van Dijk just come back from his ACL, like everything was good, and I think that's where he saw the best of Thiago. But we we kind of had to ask Thiago to kind of do these jobs that he shouldn't really be doing. So having to kind of hold Fabinho's hand, having to be kind of be the most aggressive, be like um, the most combative in our midfield. So I feel like he just joined Liverpool at a really wrong time. I, don't, I honestly I don't think it's a knock on his ability. Um, I still think like he's a fantastic player, and I think if Thiago joined Man City. Um, I think he would have been fine. Like we'd, we'd be calling him one of the best best players in the league because he'd be able to come out even when he's injured. Bernardo Silva would just fill in for him. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever, whatever. So, and I feel like we didn't replace. I was back in the down this hill, but we didn't replace Genie Wijnaldum. So it would have been fine if we got a young midfielder and Thiago. So it's like the, the 15 games that Thiago's missing, a young midfielder will come in. This should have been Kaya, by the way. A young midfielder will come in. It would the drop off wouldn't be so as huge, and it would yeah, be fine. Bridge but, the gap, kind of. Yeah. Thing. It would be fine, type of thing, because we knew Thiago's injury record before we bought him, right? Didn't we? So it's mm. just like I don't know why. Yeah. So, but you know, I, I I don't think it's a bad signing, and I, I would still sign him. It's just that we didn't put enough pieces around him, and we've kind of decreased as a team. And he's been really unfortunate in the season that he's been here with obviously the Van Dyke injury, the centre backs kind of being injured this season again. Just yeah. So yeah, what, what do you think about Thiago? This is so interesting because I was listening to you answer it thinking, how, where do I actually sit? Okay, I, I think the, the, the position I have is Tiago the player and Tiago the signing are two separate things, right? I'm not yeah. disputing what he can do with the football. It's fantastic. Yeah. 
But Thiago, the signing, signing a player involves how much you're going to depend on him. It involves how much you're going to use him. It involves how he's going to fit with everything else around him. And I think for those reasons, I think he was a poor signing. And what I mean by that is, yeah, but but I, I think what I mean by that is, even if he's been good, we can't avoid the fact of our midfield success in the years where we were excellent was built on availability and consistency being one of the cornerstones of it. By signing Thiago, you've, it's like a negligible act. Do you get what I mean? Like you've instantly abandoned that. That's the first bit. The next part is you've picked a player who has poor availability to become one of your most important players in the team. So you're building yourself. It's like when we had storage, you've built the best version of yourself to exist yeah, for so few thing. games. Yeah, that for so few games a season. Like why, why would the best 11 feature a guy who can only play 20 games? Do you get what I mean? And I think that's why it's a poor signing. Not because Thiago is a poor player, but because depending on him has led to us not being able to achieve stuff because, because of his body, not because of his quality. Do you think it would have been a poor sign if Genie stayed? Um, no, I, I agree. I, I I really like the the point you made about if Tiago came to be an add, a value add, rather yeah. than the found, foundations of the midfield. That would have been amazing because who the hell can say that their additional player is Tiago in that sense? But the moment you've decided Tiago will be who you're building your midfield around and he can't yeah, ever play, probably. that is poor. Do you see what I mean? So, yeah, yeah I, th- I think that's where I said, I think it's poor in the sense of you're, you're just, you're sat waiting to be good rather than being able to be good every week. So, yeah, that's my answer to that. The oh. next question, the next question he asks, which I think is a really good question. I don't think we've really answered it, um, is that without using the words chaos or unpredictable, is Nunes a good enough replacement for Sadio Mane? No, no, no way. Like, 100% not. Because the best version of Sadio Mane was, I think, one of the best players in the world. I think, literally, one the best version of Sadio Mane is, I'm thinking, what, probably 1920, right? When he won a golden boot. And it was yeah, like when he scored team. like those, when he scored in the in like fifteen games in a row or something, he scored the yeah. equalizing or deciding goal of the match or whatever. Yeah, so you're, I'm, you're talking a two way threat. You can kind of go go down the left, take a winger on, cross it in, or you can go on his right, slap it in. So you can yeah. score headers and and be and be around. clutch. You can even in build up. You're going to him. Yeah, you're not missing him out on build up. He's going to collect the ball from the left back, beating a guy, maybe spreading it to sell or whatever. So. I think you're literally talking one of the best wingers in the world. Um, so, yeah. Um, and I, I don't think Nunes... We didn't sign Nunes to be um, Mane's replacement. Like, if Nunes ends his career as, like, a left winger for us, like, I think that would be a disappointment. He's playing left wing at the moment because we don't have a team capable of playing with Nunes up top. So, in terms of, like, his attributes now, he's going to be wasteful, right? Because he's, he's a risk taker. He runs, wants to run the ball. He wants to kind of, <clears throat> obviously, make runs behind. He doesn't look to show for the ball. And we can't pass it at the moment. I think Nunes probably best... The way Nunes plays, he'll be best with a 10 right now. He'll be best with someone who kind of would play. He wants to play on the shoulder. So we'd, we'd be best with a 10. He kind of plays him through. Um, 
or just with a high technical midfield. I mean, he haven't got a high technical midfield at the moment, so he has to play on, on, on the wing because if he loses it on the wing, it doesn't cost the team. Whereas if he loses it central, because we haven't got the midfield to kind of be able to kind of stop that transition and to stop that counter attack, he has to play on the wing. He can't play central right now. So I do think eventually transitioning to the central areas, yeah, and it's probably a long term option up front. But yeah, as a, as a left winger, I don't. We didn't buy Nunes to be a this left winger. It's just it's, it's a short term fix so, right now. So. So yeah. I think I think just to just to steer that question so it's a fair comparison then when when if I'm asking you about replacing Mane, what I mean is not positionally, but the Mane. amount the amount of importance and value Mane brought, can Nunes playing in the right position at his best bring the same amount of benefit to Liverpool as Mane did? Um in terms of talking as like a I think output-wise, he can. So I think Nunes is literally like an output okay. machine. But I feel like the best version of Nunes, I see getting 25, 30 goals, like just being... Because yeah. Mane like, was about 20 goals, 10 assists, even that, like, kind of. Eight, yeah. like, was, that's yeah. the best version of Mane. Mane is normally like 17, 18 league goals. Like, and yeah, obviously, yeah. And a lot of them are like... seven assists, yeah. Yeah, a lot of them are like, obviously, maybe they'll be the first goal in like a, a win or like they'll be very important goals so to be fair to them. But I see this, especially Nunes, like, Mark Trance, he gets a game, I've always said, it's not normal. Like, his XG by himself is normally like one per game. And that, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. makes no sense. That's that's some team's XGs in, in, in the season. So I feel like we can replace him output-wise, but in terms of like the importance to the team and maybe in build-up and just what, what Mane brought, maybe not. But I think we can create a kind of system and a kind of tactical um, plan in terms of maybe goals coming from other places. Maybe having a winger, maybe like Diaz as well, to kind of do the things that Mane done, but then having Nunes to kind of score the goals, we can do that. You know what I'm saying? So there's other ways that you can kind of, um, you can share that responsibility, which I'm trying to say. But I think output-wise we can, but in terms of performance-wise, no. So, but we can share that responsibility. Yeah. We're talking about an all-timer here, man. Prem all-timer yeah. in Sadio Mane, man. Exactly. So I don't, there's no harm in someone not becoming him. So yeah, I think your answer is great and I sit I sit in exactly the same place. So um so yeah, Pete, I think we we covered it off, man. I'm uh I don't really know how I feel at the end of that. We we didn't really say we've got any optimism going into the rest of the season. We don't we just we literally have said don't embarrass me for the rest of the season. That's it. So um so yeah, thank you very much, Pete. You know when you've got a bad child, yeah? Like, your bad child is going off. Like, they're going out to party whatever. And you're just like, boy, you better not come back with the police. You better not come back with a child. You better not just come back in one piece. And, yeah. that, that's how that's how the parenthood changed, isn't it? At the start, you were policing whether that child can go out. Then you started letting them go out. So then it's like, don't go to the wrong place. Now it's gone from you go to the wrong place. Just don't come back with someone pregnant or something like that like your acceptability that the, the bar is beyond the floor so uh so yeah thank you everyone who's been listening um we will be back like i said patreon content all week but for now this has been me pete i me pete oh, i'm trying to be you pete this has been mush yeah. this has been pete thank you very much peace out peace sports social podcast network